Hi there, and welcome to Jezebel's Healing House, a podcast for people recovering from purity culture. Today's guest is Kathy, and she shares her story growing up in Catholicism and how their purity culture teachings were designed to prevent girls from growing and developing naturally. I am super excited to get to know Kathy a little bit better and to share her story with you guys. I hope you enjoy it. Once again, we're jumping right in. Hi, MJ. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to have you on and, um, you know, hear your story and be able to share it. So why don't we get started by having you tell everybody a little about yourself? Sure thing. Okay, so um, my name is Kathy. I'm 25 years old, and I live in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and I currently work as a program coordinator for um, one of the universities in the area, and I'm also just getting my start as a freelance book editor as well. I'm starting a business called Wandering Raven Editing, and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. I'm a writer, and definitely need an editor. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, th- that's actually how Kathy and I connected was through the internet, through the Exvangelical group. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited to have you here. And I am excited to just jump right in and hear your story. So Sounds good. let's do it. How old were you when you got involved with evangelicalism? Okay, so I actually was not part of the evangelical movement. I grew up actually Roman Catholic, and that was my introduction to the purity culture movements. And um, it was a rather odd and unusual experience that I had growing up in hindsight because um, my family was very isolated and we were very conservative Roman Catholic. And growing up, Purity culture was not called by that name, but it was just a part of our everyday lives. It just permeated our everyday lives. And even before like, I knew what sex was or even before I knew anything about what I would eventually come to learn as purity culture, my family just always shied away from things that could be like even like remotely construed to be like sexual or anything like that and I basically learned to associate anything of that nature like even before I knew the name for it with like the word godlessness and like bad things and like we were always just encouraged to be very childlike and always just remain within our little sheltered bubble and then when I was about nine or 10, I started joining like girl groups that started more explicitly talking about like the things that I would eventually come to learn as purity culture, even though that term was not used then. But Mm -hmm. it was just sort of like a part of my life that just permeated all parts of my life from childhood to when I eventually left the church when I was about 18. Right, right. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, Because you're right that when you're in it, 
there's no real term for it. It is just what is kind of mm-hmm. like a fish in water. They don't know they're in water. They're just existing. And exactly. that's what, that's what this was. So in, I know there's a lot of common threads, um, whether it's Catholic or Protestant religions that, you know, uh, the messaging that the girls get is unique <laughs> and yes. and common. What were what were some of the things that you remember from your church or your girl groups or even your parents regarding relationships or your body or your dress, um, how you dress? Dating was highly discouraged, and it was kind of interesting because when I when I talked about dating with like the immediate members of my family, it was always just like immediately shut down. And the most I got about it was you can date when you're in college, preferably after college. Like it was always don't start dating until you're 18. Um, when it came to dress, the immediate members of my family also were, it was kind of a mixed bag actually with the immediate members of my family because my dad just always wanted us to be modest. However we think of that term, he just wanted me completely covered up without even a hint that like I had a body underneath those clothes (laughs) or that I could even possibly be construed as like a person with like, I don't know, like growing into their body parts. Mm -hmm. And when I eventually started going to like my girl groups between the ages of maybe nine and 13, the emphasis was always, you can be stylish, you can have fun with your clothes, but you should never be provocative with your clothing. You should never reveal anything with your clothing. And in hindsight, it's almost as though the emphasis was not only on that, but also in getting us to enjoy just the sensation of being girly without any idea or without any looking forward to the fact that we weren't just children, we were going to be growing into adults. And as such, there's there's a transition there that does need to be talked about that does need to be explored it's not just changing bodies it's also the fact that you know we're human beings you know we have desires we're growing into certain things but there was absolutely no talk about that at all so it was almost as though they were just trying to perpetually get us to be children and stay children no matter how old we got wow yeah and in the I mean obviously you weren't exposed to what they were teaching boys from the girl groups but Mm -hmm. Did you have any knowledge that they were teaching the boys something different or were they telling them something similar in your we were, uh, observations? Yeah, we were just kept like completely separate from the boys groups in like my own Catholic circles and within my own Catholic girls groups. Like we got a vague idea that the boys were being taught to be warriors for Christ or that they were being taught to do these service projects but with the girl groups like I said the emphasis was just basically on girly things so like it was all about the way we dress and getting us to enjoy femininity but always from like a non-sexual perspective and always from the point of view that no matter how stylish we got we always had to avoid being provocative so like not only was sex not even something that was talked about like something that just didn't exist among 
any of the things that either we discussed or any of the things that we read. It was also just like, like I said, the, the whole emphasis was just trying on getting, get, getting us to be like these little cute feminine children that mm -hmm. never actually grew out of that. Whereas the boys were taught to like embrace masculine ideals, but also like, to my knowledge, distinctly separate from any hint of sexuality. Right. Goodness gracious. And that stuck with you. Did you, when you were in it, were you all in? Did you have questions then? Or did something happen? Um, or did you learn something that caused you to re-examine your beliefs? I don't think there was any one singular event that caused me to re-examine my beliefs. It was more, my, my separation from purity culture happened because I deconstructed and not the other way around, if that makes sense. So like between makes the ages perfect of, sense. Yeah, between the <laughs> ages of 15 and 17, like I just started re-examining everything that I believed and eventually came to the conclusion that the things that I had been taught didn't hold up to me logically. And then once I... Once I started thinking some more about that and started thinking about the implications of that, I started realizing, wow, because this is something that has been so taboo, not only among my family, but also among the various groups that I've been part of, the various like homeschool or co-ops that I've been part of, like I, this, this stuff is so ingrained in me that I've been actively repressing like any and all desires that I could possibly feel. What is that like? So then, I started examining that and started wondering, well, what do I like? What sort of people am I attracted to? And then when I was 18, I came to the realization, oh, I'm actually bisexual. And that was actually what triggered like the final cut from the faith tradition that I had grown up with. Like, okay, I guess I am no longer a Christian because this just doesn't make sense to me anymore. So what now? And then once that happened, then I started fully leaning into, okay, so like, what are the real world implications of this that will actually like physically affect me in the real world? Because if everything that I've been taught about how people should relate to each other, like how people quote unquote should dress or how people should act toward each other romantically or sexually, if all of that is wrong, then where do I go from here? So from there, I just basically started like very cautiously experimenting and figuring myself out and figuring out, okay, so I guess I like dressing this way. I guess I like it when people say these sorts of things to me when I'm romantically interested in them and just like very, very cautiously feeling out the water like that. So you were sort of doing things that most people had done in their earlier teen years as yeah. a young adult. Basically, yeah. And how did you find that to be like, what, was it difficult? Was it freeing? Was it both? <laughs> was it? Yeah, I guess both is probably like the easiest way to describe it because Again, like a lot of the emphasis on what I now know as purity culture wasn't just the absence of sex. It was getting us to basically perceive ourselves and present ourselves as children eternally. Like it wasn't just the fact that we were supposed to be these sweet, innocent little girls. It was also the fact that we were supposed to be God's little lambs. And we were always supposed to be docile. We were supposed to be innocent. We were supposed to be loyal and devoted to, of course, our faith tradition. But in all things, even though they didn't tell us this explicitly, 
supposed to conduct ourselves as children. And growing out of that, like that's a mindset that really sets a person back when they're then trying to explore themselves sexually. Because when you're exploring your sexuality, like that's something that you do either because you're an adult or because you are transitioning into adulthood with the expectation that like, this is something that grownups do. This is something that I get to look forward to. This is something that I get to enjoy because either I am growing into this or because I am a grown up. So then the challenge, at least for me personally, growing out of purity culture wasn't just, okay, let's now explore all these romantic things. Let's now explore all these sexual things with people my age. It was how to get out of that mindset that I am not a child anymore and I don't have to present myself as a child. I can now present myself as a grown-up. But then from there, the challenge became, I don't have any romantic experience. I don't have any sexual experience. So like how to present myself as a confident adult who's confident in their sexuality, if I'm actually not confident in my sexuality at all, because I have no experience with it. So from there, like it kind of became sort of like a chicken and egg thing where like, as I got more experience and as I got more experience, not just sexually and romantically, but also just trying out like the way I present myself, the way I dress, the sort of pictures that I post of myself, the sort of pictures that I send to other people, just sort of like development in one area fed off of development to the other area. And then that just sort of like became a cycle of steadily feeding both areas until I steadily grew my confidence in myself. Wow, that's incredible. Um, And it got me thinking when you said that they teach you guys, they would teach us to stay like children and not allow for healthy growth and development um, sexually. I, for the people who stay there and then get married, they have, what are they supposed to do? You know, exactly. And it was, it was very interesting also now that I think about it, because I, it was kind of almost like a cult environment that I grew up in. Because when I was in my girls' groups, everything wasn't about prepping us for marriage. Everything was prepping us for religious life because it was a Catholic community. And Mm -hmm. either that was religious life in the context being a nun or it was in the context of being a celibate lay person who's then like consecrated themselves to God. And a lot of the groups that I was participating in were gearing us to go to these special schools that were specifically for these consecrated lay people who just devoted themselves specifically to their religious order and just conducted themselves according to like the Catholic way of life and tried to convert other people to the Catholic way of life. So not only was sex not talked about because it was taboo, but it was also not talked about even as something that we could look forward to as married people, because we knew of married people, like I was surrounded by other girls, like obviously they had mothers, they had siblings who were married, but like sex was something that was not even talked about even in that context at all. It was just non-existent. Wow. Yeah, that that's definitely a difference um, from, I guess, like more Protestant evangelicals, because mm-hmm. their problem was, and perhaps still is, there's a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds getting married, making these, you yeah. know, lifelong commitments, mm-hmm. because they have been told once you get married, you're going to have great sex. But again, not really 
explaining anything about how to yep. help a healthy sex life, <laughs> especially not a one that a the woman is, you know, a full and equal partner in that relationship. Yeah, but, but that's also- and also not oh. teaching people to distinguish between like the very experiences that they're having as well. Cause like, just because you're very sexually attracted to a person doesn't mean you're going to have a great relationship for the rest of your lives, you know? <laughs> yes. That is something that we could have all benefited from them telling us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, gracious. Yeah. So you've been, out of this for about seven years or so now yeah yeah I like I said I stopped I basically broke away from the church when I was about 18 and that was around the same time that I moved out of my parents house so like once I moved out of my parents house I basically got not only like the intellectual freedom but also just like the physical freedom to then start exploring myself like also because of the way I was raised, like my parents were just like constantly monitoring almost every aspect of my physical existence. So like I couldn't even go outside the house without a chaperone. So now at 18, I was basically just like figuring everything out. So like, okay, I can actually have people over to the house now, people of different genders. And that's not going to be looked down upon as strange or anything. Like I'm not going to get a two hour lecture about it or like I can go out by myself and I can do things with people. And like, even if those things like aren't necessarily romantic or sexual, just like I can do them. And because I'm an adult and Mm -hmm. because I'm living in like now a healthy environment, people aren't going to lecture me about it. This is very nice. Oh, wow. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. How, if you don't mind me asking, is your relationship with your parents regarding all of this? So I, my parents, my entire family all know that I am no longer a Catholic. Um, in terms of my relationship with my parents, um, we still talk to each other and like we still see each other on a somewhat regular basis, but also we don't really talk about anything particularly deep. Like there's sort of an implicit understanding, no talking about religion when Kathy is over because it probably will not end well, (laughs) or like no talking really about anything that isn't the weather or like movies that we all like. So, so yeah, that's, that's basically that. Like my parents hardly know anything about like my personal life. Right, right. Who same here. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of times just easier to let it be like that, but mm-hmm. it makes me sad for us and for them that yeah. their faith is it's gets put above relationships. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And how? Do you feel like you're still working through your healing from this and growing? And I mean, if I can just say at 25, you sound, you have your head on better, so much better than I did. At your age. <laughs> and so I'm already impressed. Um, but are you, do you feel like you're still working through? Do you still have anything that oh, triggers you or, you know? 
And like the, the funny thing about ongoing healing is that you think you've got to a point where you're like, yep, that's me. I'm all set. And then something very unexpected will just trick you out of nowhere. And you'll be like, oh, okay, I guess that's something that I still need to work on time to call up the therapist. <laughs> so <laughs> like that, that has been my journey, like over the years, if I, as I've explored myself sexually, as I've like entered a relationship with my partner who I've now I'm, I'm happily with for like the past four years and it's it's kind of funny too because like in in part it was prepping for this podcast actually that like I already knew but this sort of like confirmed for me as I was like thinking through it and journaling and writing out my thoughts that like a large part of what has been hindering my healing this whole time is even if as I have been exploring even as I have been experimenting and like gaining more confidence in myself and my sexuality is the fact that to some degree I still think of myself as a child not because like the world is big and overwhelming, even though it is, but because I was specifically trained to think of myself as a child. And like I said, like even before a large part of my journey was just like trying to train myself to think of myself as an adult, as an adult who's confident in who they are, what they're doing, who's confident in their sexuality. And like, it's something that I've been getting bolder about over the years, but it's still something that I occasionally have to confront very explicitly because that is basically my default setting because that was how other people set me when I was a child. And now I am no longer a child and I'm like, okay, I'm in my mid twenties. Now it's time to actually start presenting myself not just the way I have been over the past few years as like someone who's now exploring the fact that they're a young adult but now as someone who is an established adult as someone who is confident in the fact that they are an established adult and that is itself going to be an ongoing process which I do need to continue to work out in therapy but I am thankful for the fact that not only because I am able to work it out in therapy and I am able to like examine it through journaling, through talking to other people, but because I have these communities of people who are going through, if not the same thing, then similar things to what I'm going through. And it's that community that's been very supportive, not only just for myself personally, but also just like in the healing journeys of myself and also like my friends who've gone through similar things. Right. And when you talk about community, that's so important. Mm -hmm. um, where do you, have you found your community? Mostly online, kind of the way you yeah. and I met. So it yeah. was for me a combination of realizing that my a lot of my local friends who I had gone to high school with were part of the LGBT community, but also realizing that the connected friends that we all had online were also either part of the LGBT community or deconstructing or both. And we all sort of realized this about each other at the same time and started creating our own online groups where we could be like, hi, yes, I am also having doubts or I am also not feeling great about everything that we learned in high school or throughout our whole lives. and we've all established this is a safe space where we can talk about these things without our families finding out, without other people who are still like very deep in the fundy conservative purity culture crowd finding out. And sort of like through that common bond of we're all in this together, we're all doing this potentially dangerous and scary thing of unlearning the things that we've been taught and discovering ourselves together, that's really what solidified our bond and our community. And then through then, 
or rather not through them, through all of the people that I started connecting to in those early days. Then I started learning about other groups, like for example, the X, but other groups. And as I started talking to more and more people and just like really examining myself and also just like getting all these resources, that's what started bolstering the confidence to like actually like try new things, get out of my comfort zone and like do the very, sometimes very uncomfortable work of going deep into the things that I had been taught and just outright rejecting them, no matter how scary they felt and being like, okay, no, if I'm to actually grow, I need to reject this mindset. I need to actually start operating physically differently. And that is going to be scary, but I'm not alone in doing it. There's other people who I know and who have, who have established that I can trust them that are also doing this. And I think that ultimately was what made it possible for me to come as far as I have. Absolutely. I I know I certainly couldn't have done this alone. Yeah. Um, and if, uh, if you found someone who was newly stepping away from particularly your, um, kind of upbringing with Roman Catholicism, and they were stepping away from this. And so they're maybe a young adult who very much feels like a child in terms of how they know themselves and how they view themselves. What sort of, um, what sort of advice would you want to give them, you know, if they are listening right now? I, I think I would say like immediately find yourself a community, like immediately, yeah. like d- don't, don't remain isolated, like reach out to other people who you know that you can trust and have them connect you with like a firm and solid support group that way you're not you not only have a place where you can ask questions and talk about your feelings but you can also listen to other people who are also asking questions and who also are talking about a lot of the very same things that you're experiencing as well because like healing very rarely happens effectively when you're isolated and when you're alone it always happens better when you're connected with other people who are either going through the same things or who have already gone through the same things and can talk you through the process and can mentor you through the process. Absolutely. That is wonderful advice. Um, I want to take a minute to talk to you about your new editing business because I think it's really important that we support one another in this. A lot of us, you know, some people, when they leave the faith, they end up leaving all their family support. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's different for each of us, but at any time I have the chance to support a fellow purity culture survivor, I would, I would rather give you guys my money than, you know, just, <laughs> just a, a random person. Does that make sense? That like, makes perfect sense. I like so, that. <laughs> so I would like to take this opportunity these last few minutes and just tell me about your business, what kind of things you, um, what you, what kind of services you offer, where people could find you online, um, what kind of projects you like to work on, that sort of thing. Sure thing. So right now I only have my Facebook business page up, but you can find it at, you know, facebook.com slash wandering Raven editing. That's the name of my business. And um, I am a novel editor. So um, I work with fiction. I specifically work with fantasy fiction and LGBTQ plus fiction. And preferably if your novel happens to incorporate both of those things, that would make me very happy. But I'm also willing to go outside of those genres as well. 
And it's not just novels either. So if you have a novel manuscript that you've worked on, or if you're working on a novella or a short story or some other fiction that's not necessarily a novel, I'm also willing to take a look at that as well. Um, right now, I provide three sorts of editing services. So like the most short and cheap version of the editing services that I provide is proofreading. So it's basically if you want me to glance over your work and point out like small errors and typos just before you're ready to publish it, that's what proofreading is. And then I also provide copy editing, which is more in depth. So it's like looking at larger mistakes, typographical errors, mechanical errors, grammatical errors, and occasionally changing up your sentences so that your prose looks absolutely nice and polished. And then the largest type of editing service that I provide is developmental editing where like we look at the bones of your story and we figure out okay so like is your plot structure at all right do you have any gaps here how is your character development looking do you have some things that are inconsistent throughout the story how's the thematic consistency of the story looking and through all of that just basically my goal is to make sure that either first-time authors or self-publishing authors or just basically however much experience you have i just want to make sure that your story not only rings all the bells for you in terms of looking great but also is going to be great for your readers as well so that's basically a short rundown of me and the services that i provide as an editor that's awesome that's really great and i know that in in the deconstruction groups that I'm in, there are a lot of writers. So I'm hoping that people listening here, you know, will have someone to go to. I know I certainly will. So that's exciting. Yay. And um, I don't want to keep you any longer. I have really appreciated this conversation and hearing your story and learning more about you. Um, thank you for being here. Sure. And, thank um, you. I Thank you so much. And we will catch up again soon. All right. Thank you so much, MJ. Of course. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And if you are interested in sharing your purity culture story, please drop me an email at hello at jezebelshealinghouse.com.